The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We already know that this promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all time, and it is addressed by Christ to His disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God over them have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment and will likely never have a relation to it. And in connection with the fulfillment of this commandment, to be vigilant over the Word of God in our heart, as God is vigilant over the Word spoken by Him in the temple of our body, under the condition, of course, if we have built our body into the temple of the Holy Spirit, then we have stopped to study this question specifically. What specific goals is the righteousness of God in our hearts called to pursue? or that we are called to pursue in our heart. Because the righteousness of God is that which we have accepted in justification in the format of a deposit and then placed into circulation and received it in the format of a fruit as a belonging. And therefore, the purpose of the righteousness of God in our heart, accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony, in which we, with the law, die to the law, so that we could receive justification in new tablets of testimony, in order to live for the one who died and rose. So that again, we can receive justification and new tablets of testimony to live for the one who died and rose. And in doing so, receive the affirmation of our salvation, the new tablets, in order to give God the basis to give us the promise to be an heir of peace, not through the former law, but through righteousness by faith, just as he had given to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. And therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior of prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God. Faith is from hearing. Faith is information. Faith is from hearing the word of God. The faith of God is the information that comes from the Word of God that we hear. That's why the faith of God is the generalismus, it is the commander of the army, and our faith is our obedience to the words of God, obedience to the faith of God. There is the faith of God and there is the faith of man. The faith of God is the commander, the faith of man is the obedience to the commands of this commander. And so we asked, according to what signs should we test ourselves to see if we have the reign of the peace of God in our heart, which identifies us as the sons of peace and as holy unto God. It is specifically according to the state of the peace in our heart that we should test ourselves for the subject of the fact that we are the heritage of God, the children of God. And therefore, to test our hearts for the subject of the reigning peace of God in it should be done by the ability to be a peacemaker, which characterizes us as sons of God, as written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So, if there is no peace in the heart, and we call ourselves sons of God, we are lying to ourselves.
What kind of sons of God are we? Sons of God have the peace of God. This peace cannot be violated upon the cheating of the wife of the husband, loss of a job, loss of a material welfare, upon illness, death of an, uh, a person close to us. Whatever may occur in our life, any kind of slander that is poured out on us, the peace of God can't be violated. If something is violated, this means that there was no peace of God in this heart in the first place. Because on the contrary, the peace of God is going to shine brighter during the time of the night. Just as the stars shine bright during the night, same thing here, the peace of God begins to brightly manifest itself when we, when we face reproach for the truth. Today, there is very few who faces this reproach. People don't want to be reproached for the truth. They want to, on the contrary, have some kind of privileges because they so-called preach the truth. If they begin to truly preach the truth, then the privileges that they're going to experience is the peace of God, and the rest of it doesn't mean anything. And so, six signs according to which we can judge of our partaking to the sons of peace were already the subject of our study. And again, this is our partaking to the sons of peace in which we are peacemakers. And this has already been the subject of our study and we have stopped to study the seventh sign. This is according to the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Selective means holy. The love of God is holy. And holy is always, always separates what is pure from what is impure. It always separates good from evil. It separates a holy person from a person that is not holy, who is called holy but is not so in his state. And therefore, when you say God, when, when people say God loves everyone, they think that it's a tolerant love. And if it's tolerant, then this means it's not holy. We, we attribute to God that which God doesn't have. God is holy, and He doesn't just have a holy love. He has all the characteristics that are holy by nature. And of course, love. That's why it is called selective. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This means that if we do, are not clothed in love, that it is impossible to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. To which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14-15. So the peace of God is the thanksgiving. It is also a fellowship with one another, friendliness. Because today, love is... is um, is replaced by courteous. It doesn't matter what you feel towards a person, you must be courteous, people say. You must send to him and you must be gentle. But scripture says, no, this, this won't work. You need to love him in your heart. You need to have compassion to him. You need to search for a way how to help him come to the light, to be a light to him, so that your smile could be like a light that could warm him, so that your heart, so that when he sees this this isn't the same kind of smile I met with by others, but this is a special kind of smile that is directed at me. It is like a light that penetrates into the heart. In Scripture, God's selective love, agape, is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly dignities and properties or components 
Through the preached word of the apostles and prophets, which, according to their nature, are the unchanging properties of God. So, we are going to study, and we are studying the heart of the Heavenly Father, the nature of His heart, the properties of God. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. You will say, well, how can God have, for example, how can God have, for example, godliness? How can God have godliness? Well, godliness is love toward God. And how can God Himself have love toward Himself? Yes, God has love toward His Word. And His Word, He places so high above all His names. And He does this upon a certain place. He does this in our body, in the temple of our body. He does this also in the temple of His sanctuary, which is the body of Christ. Therefore, all of these properties of the Heavenly Father and uh, we must have them. I was a child and I had always heard that this is the ladder, the steps of Peter. If we can't we can't uh, ascend upon this ladder, we can't get to heaven. We need to ascend upon this ladder. But no one ever had explained and no one had ever interpreted what is the true virtue? What is true knowledge that comes from this virtue? What is self-control? And talking about how this kind of self-control and this kind of knowledge is found, the Heavenly Father has. He has this great patience that He is able to be patient for so long, just as we are called to be patient. And we must have this long-suffering and patience. We must have long-suffering waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. And therefore, in a certain format out of the seven available characteristics of virtue, which in their totality determine in our heart the goodness of God, we have already examined five components. This is His virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love. And we have stopped uh, to examine the five components and stopped at the sixth. This is our calling to show in brotherly love the love of God, agape, or to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love, just as Scripture says, and therefore demonstrate demonstrate, show in your faith, show in your faith these seven properties, virtues, that are poured out in one another. This is not that they are separate or they are presented separately. They are united into one. There can't be more of one and less of another. They are unique in their components in that they are balanced. They have a wonderful balance with, between one another. The presence of this sublime and noble component in the testimony of our faith transfers us from the state of eternal death to the state of eternal life. Until we offer this fruit, this property in brotherly love, we are going to be found in the state of death, in the state of eternal death. And only when we offer the fruit of brotherly love in our faith before God, only then will this lead us from eternal death into eternal life. We know, we don't feel, but because faith never, never deals with emotions. Faith deals with information. Faith deals with the information that comes from the preached word. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. And this kind of hatred toward a brother is expressed oftentimes in, in conspired envy. 
this is the root system of evil, envy. Envy is the root system of evil. It destroys the children of God. It is passed on to us through the genetic seed of our fathers in the flesh. This is the program. Envy is the program, program that is found in a programmable device, which is called reigning sin, or the old man who lives in our body. Whereas love, love is also a program, but it is found in a programmable device that is called our spirit that has been reborn of God, our heart. And both of these two spiritual beings, this old man as well as this new man, they don't have flesh and blood, but they live in the body. And they both and they both struggle for the for the governing of the body and the battlefield is our heart. And whoever we give preference to, our old man or a new man, that figure or that man will become our deity and our worship. And we will submit to whether one of them. This is a decision. This is not because God, for some reason, gave this to some and to others not. No, He gave a decision. You have been born again, and only now you have the choice. Having been born again, we are found in darkness. We are not found in light. You remember when God had created the heaven and earth, and He said, let there be light. This was that light from which we were born. And it is written that the earth was in darkness. Light was there, but the earth was in darkness. What was this light? There was no sun or moon and stars. They were only going to be created on the fourth day. But God in the beginning created light. And He said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And He separated the light from darkness. It's necessary for preachers to know what this is and to preach about it. In the Russian language, this means life or resurrection. So, God, with this word, he, has, he had resurrected matter because matter was dead at that time. The minerals in this, er, in this earth were dead. Today, scientists try to go to other planets that if there's li- is there life there, if there is water there, there is life there. Don't forget, if there is living water and there is dead water, there is a matter that is living and a matter that is dead. There are minerals that are alive and minerals that are dead. On all planets that we see, on all stars, this is dead matter. This is dead water, if it is even there. And these are dead minerals. God had resurrected the mineral life. And then, having resurrected the mineral life, He had turned to the living earth and He had said, Let the earth grow and produce fruit. Death can't produce life. That's why first He had resurrected it. Just as like we also, when we are born again, our light that is in us is still darkness. And now, we are offered a decision, a choice, to choose either life or death, to choose which program, and to follow that program. Either we inherit the program from a vain life of our fathers or the program that we had received from our new man through being born again. And when we begin to use this program, something will grow within us. And then finally, when we die to our nation, the house of our father, and the corrupt lusts of our soul, only then will we finally become a light to the world. And so, in regard to this, as in the previous components, the virtue of God and His unique goodness to us, which we are called to show in our faith in seven components, we had to answer four classic questions. What does Scripture say about the power of brotherly love, which we are called to show in our faith? 
what conditions must be fulfilled in order to receive power to show brotherly love in our faith. And in a certain format, we have already studied the first three questions and have stopped to study the fourth question. By what signs should we test ourselves for the demonstration of brotherly love in our faith? The first five signs according to which we could judge that we demonstrate in our faith the power of brotherly love were already the subject of our study and we have stopped to study the sixth unique sign that we have been studying now for several services. This is according to our ability to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer with supplication when thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. If we have this kind of sign, then this means that we demonstrate in our faith brotherly love. Between one another, we demonstrate the true love of God, agape. We have the ability to condescend where we need to, and we are able to forgive one another and move forward. Let your meekness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God, and we are talking about the peace of God, the peace of God that will be in our heart that is above all all things, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 5-7 through 7. In this place of scripture, we noted that the character of the fruit of the Spirit discovering itself in the property of meekness, through which we are capable of bridling our lips with the truth hidden in our heart, is placed opposite the character of the works of the flesh that discover themselves in the property of disobedience to the truth or unbelief. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Here we are talking about in relation to Christian people. This is not the world that is presented about here, but here is presented those that have been born of God, that are found in the church, that consider themselves the children of God. But at the same time, instead of demonstrating fruit of the Spirit, they are not yet spiritual. They are carnal, and a carnal person can't can't demonstrate fruit of the Spirit. A carnal person is an infant. He sways and stumbles, and he is swayed by all kinds of winds of teachings. He is incapable of being led by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know what comes from the Spirit of God and what comes comes from the spirit of Satan. He can't define, is this an apostle or a false apostle? Is this person sent by God or did God not send him? He doesn't even understand who he is listening to. He has chosen by way of voting, by way of a disgusting vote. He has chosen a person that would flatter his ears and he thinks that this is the truth. But this person himself does not understand scripture at all and he represents the distorted truth and people who follow him are clothed in this distorted truth i always say and now imagine now imagine where these people are going to go if they clothe themselves in the distorted truth or the distorted word and they go and follow the person that presents them this distorted truth where are they going heaven no god is faithful to his word they are guided to heaven and in their funerals songs are sung that guide them there i always sang these songs in the day of my birth they were not funeral songs for me they for me were about my household where i am going they always gave me joy and I was never soul and face when singing them, but here they sing them with soul and faces. They lead them and guide them. If you are guiding him to heaven, then when you sing this song and all going to or all are going to understand these words, the atmosphere is going to be trembling and the life of God will be filled there. There will be warmth, life, and joy, and not some kind of dark darkness. Why are you all dark? 
you are guiding your friends to heaven, but all of your faces are sullen. And you sing, who knows how. There is no, there is no triumph and there is no joy. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. You will say, what kind of adultery? We don't have adultery among us. But Apostle James says, adulterers, adulteresses, do you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? When one of us loves the world and that which is in this world, he is an adulterer in relation to God. He, he began to become adulterous. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Idolatry, when he, in place of searching for God, searches for that which is which God has. Instead of searching for the Holy Spirit, he searches for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit, blessing, anointing, becomes idol for him. Sorcery. Sorcery is when a person hears the word of God and does not submit to it and says, I have my own head, and I don't understand it this way, or I don't agree with this. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, dissensions because each one has their own head. We do not gather all to submit to one person, they say, and to be based on his opinion so that we have one heart, one soul, and one thought. We ourselves, we ourselves have our intellect. We are, ourselves have our own opinion. Yes, these parasitic Democrats can have these kind of own opinions who dictatorship, who cover dictatorship or, or try to hide it under the word democracy. They hide their dictatorship. There is no democracy. It does not exist. If this democracy is in relation to, to the black, to the green, to the blue, to the, to the pink, but the majority are left without democracy. Why? Because attention isn't paid to them. Why does this great multitude, why is it supposed to work for all these minority groups and, trans, and transgenders? Are you foolish? And this occurs in the church as well. They, by way of a democratic vote, select pastors for themselves. They have an infrastructure of democracy. They have no theocracy, no order, no kingdom of heaven. Therefore, these are, this is what dissensions are, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, the law has no relation to these people. And if there are works of the flesh, then the law does do with them. They say we are under grace, but on the foundation of this place of Scripture, on the basis of it, Galatians, Apostle Paul writes, the law has no relation to those who have who have left their carnal nature, who have died to their nation, their household, and the corrupt desires. Against such there is no law. And thus, they have been clothed in the resurrection of Christ. They became spiritual people. They became to distinguish good from evil. And a carnal person doesn't accept that as what, that which is from the Spirit. Any kind of interpretation he accepts as enmity, as a heresy. Why? Because he doesn't understand. Not because he doesn't want to. He just is incapable of understanding because he is carnal. To understand this, one must become spiritual. And therefore, 
Upon him there is a law. He is found under the watch of the law, and the law says that he is uh, under grace are those who offer fruit of the Spirit. They are out from under the watch of the law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. Practically, here, there are two men presented here. One person who has meekness in his heart and the other who has envy. The ability of the meek tongue to be anxious for nothing in the sphere of earthly well-being is opposed to the anxiety of a person whose lips are not bridled by the bonds of meekness. As written, a meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. He destroys the con- contrition is death. Perverseness is death. He breaks or he he dims his lamp because he did not grow meekness. He did not learn meekness from Christ. Anxiety leading to the breaking of our spirit are the genetic bonds of fear passed on to us through the sinful seed of our fathers, which we are bound by because we did not grow in the soil of our good heart the fruit of meekness, with which we could bridle our lips, which would be a sign that we are showing the power of brotherly love in our faith. The tree of life. You see, we are called to grow in the eating of our heart, the tree of life. If we grow it, then we are spiritual, and then we will have big lips. We are going to be able to bridle our lips with the word of God that is contained in our heart. A person who has accepted salvation in the seed of justification but is bound by anxiety is a result of his stiffness, which is identical to the occult resistance of the liberty of Christ that is contained in the truth of the preached word that is called to free us from slavery unto sin. What does it mean to be found in the freedom of Christ? This means to be found in freedom from sin, to be independent of sin, but also to be dependent on righteousness, to be a servant of righteousness, to be in the liberty of Christ is to be a servant of righteousness. And he who is not a servant of righteousness, he is going to be a servant of sin. There is no other way. And so, this kind of anxiety is evidence of the lack of the fruit of meekness in the spirit of a person, which points to the bad soil of his heart, which he refused to cleanse from dead works in order to accept and grow in the good soil of his heart the fruit of meekness. And the most astonishing, as we had paid attention to, is that this kind of anxiety uh, carnal people consider to be a spiritual manifestation. And this can be observed when comparing the meanings contained in these two words that are opposite of one another according to their character and their origin. So, cares versus meekness. Cares discovering themselves in anxiety is disobedience, disbelief, disobedience to the faith of God, the tongue not being bridled by meekness, cult, stiffness, the snares of the evil one, the path of death and the snares of the evil when a person catches himself with his lips he proclaims this he upon many to many things toward many things he says i can't do this when in christ jesus we don't have a right to even speak this despite the fact that we have fallen and that we full we feel completely uh, weak before we must say i can do all things through christ who gives me strength then these words that we speak with this kind of zeal 
that comes from our heart because we already have this power. And in order for it to, for us to use it, we need to proclaim it with our lips. When we proclaim it with our lips, the Holy Spirit takes our words and clothes us, bridles us. Just as here, the snares of the evil one, the path of death, they themselves have bridled themselves with their words. Meekness, discovering itself in a bridled tongue, is the tree of life grown in the soil of the good heart. It is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. It is wisdom, strength, firmness, power, trust in God, mercy, compassion toward our neighbor, and they are the snares of the kingdom of heaven in which we catch ourselves just as those who do not obey the faith of God catch themselves in the snares of the evil one. Cares in expressing disobedience to the order in the body of Christ classifies a person into the category of lawless people who oppose the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the deeds of the flesh in the garments of external piety. They try to evangelize, sing, pray, do something, do some kind of works, use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, they think that they have spirituality. They clothe the deeds of the flesh, and they clothe it into a kind of outward piety, just as the fig leaves were taken and were were covered in them, thinking that when they will meet with God, everything will be fine. What are fig leaves? This is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You will say, this is an apple, a pear, no, this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had now received what good is and what evil is, and from this tree they took leaves and they had made garments for themselves. And in doing so, when God had appeared upon the place of worship where they met in the Garden of Eden, they had hid, they were shaking. It turns out that this isn't covering their nakedness. And when God said, Adam, where are you? He said, I am naked. That's why I am scared to come out to you. I am naked. I can't come out to you. And he says, well, who told you that you are naked? Did you not eat it of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Instead of repenting, he says, the wife that you had given me, she gave to me from this tree. When God turns to the wife and says, what have you done? She said, the serpent had seduced me and tempted me. True repentance is when a person just bows his head and says, Lord, I have, I have sinned. Forgive me. God leads them to this kind of state and clothes them in the garments of justification figuratively. Leather garments, this is an image of the sacrifice of Christ. And so, the meekness of the heart discovers itself in meek lips is a definition of the fruit of the Spirit testifying of the presence of the tree of life grown in the spirit of a person. A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The presence of the fruit of meekness in a person is evidence that this person is clothed in the dignity of a disciple of Christ, which gives him the ability to resist the words that come from his own flesh so that he can open his lips for the proclamation of the faith of God that dwells in his heart. Oftentimes we want to say a lot of things, but you can withhold. You have the authority to hold yourself, to not speak a certain bad word. 
to bridle yourselves, and if you are to speak, to speak the word of God, to bridle your lips with the word of God, because the Heavenly Father, if He were not to have been meek, if He did not bridle His lips with His word, He would have destroyed the whole world long ago, especially when His Son was being killed. But He had bridled. He had bridled His lips with meekness, the word that came from His mouth. In this word, He had given His Son for our sins. And that's why, despite the fact that it was difficult for his heart to see how his son was dying for our sins, he had bridled himself with his word and not, did not say anything uh, in our address that was unnecessary. The presence of the fruit of meekness in a person is evidence that this person is clothed in the dignity of a disciple of Christ. Come to me, all you who are la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me, meaning, learn meekness as I have learned it. Where did Jesus learn this meekness? Where did he bridle his lips? From his Heavenly Father. He saw that the Heavenly Father bridles his lips with the word that comes from his mouth. And then Jesus began to learn from his Father, and he began to bridle his lips with the word of God that came from the lips of his Heavenly Father, just like the Holy Spirit had done. Whereas the presence of anxiety in the soul of a person is evidence of works of his flesh. We should depart from such people so we do not lose what we worked hard for to inherit the kingdom of heaven and the fruit of the tree of life grown by us in the Eden of our heart. But know this, that the last days, perilous times will come. This is talking about what will happen among the word of God, among the world of God among the world. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. You see, God does not have a tolerant love. He himself has nothing in common with these people, and he tells us, depart from such people. These are characteristics of anxious people who refuse to acknowledge themselves as bound by the chains of their corrupt desires. They say, oh, we're free, and they clothe themselves in pseudo-righteousness so that they do not lose their significance and their self-esteem. And to define in ourselves the presence of meekness, that discovers itself in our trust in God and His Word, in waiting for the salvation of our body, it is necessary for us in brotherly love to pay attention to a specific phrase in this sign that we are studying according to which we can distinguish meekness from unbridledness and prudence from foolishness. This is according to our ability to open our requests before God in prayer and supplication by thanksgiving, which, according to their properties, are the desires of God because all that we ask of God is already placed on our accounts in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving takes from our account what is there. But when we don't understand this, and when we say, Lord, have mercy, you see, I can't carry this burden anymore, this does not take from our account. You must present a check upon your account. Truly is healing. There is prosperity. There is all that is necessary for life and godliness. 
but we need to correctly withdraw from this account. And if you know that it is yours, then instead of yelling, you begin to say, thank you, I thank you, Lord, I thank you, that in Christ Jesus, I am healed. I am freed from burden. I am freed from fear of the flesh. I am freed from the fear of death. I am freed from the fear of poverty, from the fear of revolution, from the fear of vandalism, from fear of demonic people. You must understand, you must not be afraid of demonic people. I was never, I was never afraid of them. But today I see all of a sudden saints for some reason are afraid. They must be afraid of you. They must be afraid of you. He who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. I, w I had made a decision that I'm going into the house where this demonic person was in there and he who was, uh, he who was demonic, he said, he's coming, he's coming. It is the end to me. But here, a person smelled something or, or touched someone <laughs> and he says, Oh, this upon me is this curse. I had touched what, who is demonic. Satan knows that you have no faith of God. The faith of God is information. Understand that he who is in you is stronger than he who is in this world. Don't be afraid of uh, demonic people who are have a demon in themselves. You can draw close to them in order to help them, but never be afraid of them. As soon as you understand this and accept this, they are going to be afraid of you. Because he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. And therefore, as I said, in order to test this, we have to have the ability to open a request before God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This is how this phrase sounds. But in everything everything always by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god a more exact version will sound like this but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your desire to fulfill the will of god in which is hidden our calling and election thanksgiving for the promise placed by god on our account in christ jesus which we have hidden in our heart, it is found in our heart. We have accepted through the preached word that in Christ Jesus, we are stronger. We are stronger than the one who is in this world. We have accepted this. We have hidden it in our heart so that we can fulfill the will of God in which is hidden our calling. It's a format of a kind of praise in which we, submitting our faith to the faith of God, consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent power of life in our body as existent. It is thanks to the presence of a grateful heart that is able to make its requests known to God regarding the fulfillment of the will of God that we should define in ourselves the presence of the fruit of meekness. To offer God a sacrifice of praise and sacrifice means, or in practice means, to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent inheritance of Christ as existence. Because the fire of divine favor can come upon us only when we present in our praise our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which gives God the basis to show and affirm in us His salvation. The fire of God can descend only upon a sacrifice, only upon a kind of prayer that meets the requirements of a sacrifice, of a burnt offering, an incense, a sweet aroma that is going to be pleasing to God. He who offers God a sacrifice of praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. He observes what this path is when you go into the house of God. 
what is this path? Prepare your heart to hear the Word of God. Prepare to prepare our ear to hearing the Word. And this means to incline our ear. This means to be humble. This means to uh, to set aside our intellect, saying this means to set aside our own understandings, our own interpretations. That anointed one says that. Why is this other person saying this? This means that you don't have a true anointed man in your life. A true anointed one can be one. There are many, but for you, there must be only one. We have talked about on numerous occasions, what is the Church of Christ? The Church of Christ is the army that has a lot of different kinds of ranks. If God has placed you under the rank and you are in the artillery or you are in the navy or you are a, you, you are a pilot and then all of a sudden a general of the navy does a command but you are, you are pilots, you don't need that you don't need to fulfill that you need to listen to your command it doesn't mean that it is that command to them to the navy is incorrect but you must listen to your commander the army of christ it has different kinds of uh, ranks and different kinds of divisions different kinds of divisions of the army that supersedes all confessions and denominations and so, from God's end, to show a person his salvation means to become for a person a guarantee of the fulfillment of his calling from the enemies lurking and pursuing him. In this promise, God promises to become for us a fulfiller of our salvation under one condition. If we honor him with a sacrifice of praise and observe our conduct to ensure that it meets the requirements of the paths of the Lord or the paths of righteousness. And for a sacrifice of praise to be able to honor God, it is necessary for it to meet the requirements of a God-pleasing sacrifice, in which a person could give God evidence for the right to offer Him a sacrifice of praise, for the right to the fact that He is not carnal, He is spiritual, that He is a priest. Because a sacrifice could be offered by only a priest. A, a person offered a sacrifice, but he gave it to a priest. He himself couldn't offer it. He didn't know in what sequence and how to offer it. For this, it was necessary to have the rank of a priest. That's why he brought it to the priest. He had confessed his sin. Then, confessing his sin, uh, having confessed his sin, uh, he the priest then took he had then took the sacrifice a person laid his hand on the sacrifice that he offered and he confessed his sin then the priest knew according to his kind of confection what kind of sacrifice had to be brought how and what kind of order where and how and he offered this sacrifice and he took the blood of this sacrifice and he had sprinkled a person his ear, his finger, and his toe. And he had sprinkled the sacrifice, the altar, because the altar are the goals of God in our heart. We need to build ourselves into an altar of the Lord so that we can become um, in the likeness of God. Our sacrifice is our calling. The altar is our sacrifice. The altar is our calling, and the sacrifice is the means for attaining this. We, in our prayers, we ask for God to give us the ability to fulfill our will, which in our heart represents His altar. 
and so to offer evidence to God for the right to offer him a sacrifice of praise in which he specifies the subject of God's will for which he thinks God. Otherwise, as often happens, this so-called sacrifice of praise, instead of expressing honor to God and in this manner, activating upon itself the mercy of God in his favor, a person will always express his disobedience to God in his word. Considering the importance of the discipline of praise, which Christians today consider as a rank of praise that they separate from what they call worship, in which lacks the element of holiness, yielded by offering oneself as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God for reasonable service. You can see this uh, very well, uh, and other churches have these songs of praise and they have songs of worship. Among false charismatic divisions, during the songs of, of praise, they jump around the stage and then uh, during songs of worship they stop they don't shake anymore but they just lift their hands and sway they begin to sway and they call this worship but we know that this is disorderly that let them try to do this in the temple let them dare to lift their hands in the temple and worship god in this way or to praise god by running around the stage there was trembling in the temple. No one in the temple danced or did such things. In the temple, only the hands could be raised to lift the hands up, their hands up to God and to thank God, and for the hands to be without anger and without doubt. This means that I must forgive my offenders and I must ask forgiveness for those I am offended, and only then can I lift my hands up to God without anger and without doubt, and I must be a priest. This kind of praise... If it lacks in a person, uh, then it dishonors God. And according to the words of Isaiah, it's not accepted by God. And so to not disappoint God with our praise, let us remember the criteria with which Scripture defines the essence and status of the legitimacy of praise called to be a sign of brotherly love. The purpose that befitting praise is called to fulfill in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith the conditions that lead our praise into the status of legitimacy according to which we can judge that we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, and the results according to which we can judge that the praise which we offer to God has a status of legitimacy. The second question. We have already studied the first question in our previous sermons. The second question, what purpose is befitting praise called to fulfill in worship to God, the sign according to which we can judge that we demonstrate inner faith of power, brotherly love? The first purpose of befitting praise revealing itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to clothe us in Christ Jesus when we by submitting our faith to the faith of God, will come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And so, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So it turns out, to walk is possible in faith only in Christ. So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And we are taught through the preached word. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. 
Without Him, we have nothing. In Him, we are complete, who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2, 6-10 through 10. A wonderful, wonderful news when we learn how to place ourselves in Christ and when we are found in Him, then we simply thank God. We thank God that we have fullness and completeness. God views us in Christ through Christ. At this time, we are righteous because we are found in Him. But we might at this time fall, we might sin, we might say that which we ought not to say, but this doesn't mean that we aren't in Him. Just, just given that we are in Him, God doesn't see what is happening. The main thing is to be found in Him. Those who were under the cloud, they had carried from Egypt the idol. But God did not see this idol. Why? Because this cloud had represented crucified Christ, through which, through which, whom He looked, who paid the price for their sins, and He did not see their sin. And therefore, Balaam had prophesied, "There is no sin. There is no sorcery. How there, the idol is there?" He says, "It is not seen." Just as God, He doesn't see sin in you when you are found in Him and you know how to be found in Him. To be found in Him is to be found in His body. The body is the Church of Christ. It is to find a kind of congregation, a kind of church that meets the requirements of a good wife that has a status of narrow gates, in which is preached the fullness, the completeness of the gospel teaching in the twelve foundations of the walls of New Jerusalem and the twelve pearly gates, in the tree of life that offers its fruit twelve times, in the twelve bronze oxen upon which is the copper sea in which we must be washed when we enter into the presence of God, and as warriors of prayers we must have this breastplate of judgment upon which are the twelve precious stones that represent the properties of prayer, how we must pray. It is, they are the means for prayer, the teaching about the prayer. When this is preached, then you are found in that church. And then God does, God does not see you. Can you imagine how marvelous this is? We in this time, we grow. There will come a time when we will grow. And we won't act towards our words so lightly and our actions. But we are blessed in that we are found in Christ, that we have found this church. And so, to give the Holy Spirit the basis to place us in Christ Jesus... We need to, by searching, and I want to again highlight, we need to find the narrow gate in the face of a good wife in order to receive grace from the Lord in the subject of the intact truth of the reigning teaching of Christ, which represents a kind of congregation of saints and in which is present the order of the kingdom of heaven in the format of a theocratic ruling. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So this does not mean that I have gotten married uh, some, to some kind of good woman and I have gained a grace from the Lord. No, this is talking about a church. He who finds a kind of church, a kind of congregation, he has found, obtains favor from the Lord and finds grace. If we do not understand how to define the search for the narrow gates in the face of a good wife through partaking to which the Holy Spirit places us in Christ Jesus, then this means that we have not yet accepted Christ Jesus in our heart through instruction and faith in the format of the reigning teaching of Christ. And therefore, we will not have understanding of how to walk in Him, having been rooted and affirmed in Him and strengthened in faith, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We right now are going to pray. Given that today 
we have one more part of our service. This is a marriage ceremony. That's why I'm making the sermon 20 minutes shorter today. Let us bow, bend our knees, and to whom this is impossible, their heads. Those that desire to challenge their lusts, their fears, their earthly fears, you are able to come out upon this altar. We will pray for you. And I believe that God is going to see your strive, your desires, that you have come out to meet Him, and He is going to deliver you from this, and we are going to pray for you. We wait for you out upon the altar. Amen. I will pray along with you and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you He is not against you despite your fall there will come a time that He will lift you up and He will make you free when you will grow in the full measure of the stature of Christ but today He wants to give you hope that He is on your side your your eyes closed and this is a symbol of a secret room and your hands raised this is the readiness that your hands are without doubt and without anger pray along with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open my heart you see the wound that has been brought on by sin you see my pain I despise my lusts my passions I hate this continual sin that I am bound by by chains I ask you in the name of your son Jesus Christ may these chains be destroyed and broken may I come may I come out to freedom I want to praise you in my freedom I despise sin I love your holiness I love your righteousness and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that according to your word I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified I am saved your sins are forgiven and your transgressions are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his holy countenance may have may he have mercy upon you and give you peace may around you fall thousands and tens of thousands and not draw near you 
May all the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May all this come upon you and upon your descendants. May it be fulfilled upon you. And let the nation say, Amen. Given that we are going to conduct a second part of our service without with, I want to conclude this first part with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.